0: There is that question that remains for all of us to answer whether we'll bow down in humble submission before the Lord today while upon this earth or one day after you die. All will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Some will stand there for loss of reward or for gain as believers in Jesus Christ, others will stand in judgment because of their choice of not believing Jesus. We know that Jesus is righteous and just, that he does all things well. We don't have to worry about his judgment being right or true. It will be right or true. Today, what we need to answer that question of whether we'll be standing before him in the righteousness that he has provided, or will we attempt to stand before God in our own righteousness, which will be inadequate on the Day of Judgment.
1: Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word.
0: Today we're going to look at a message I titled, Every Knee Shall Bow, from Romans 14, verses 1 through 13. And verses 1 through 4, we're going to see that God is able... In verses 5 through 8, that we are the Lord's. In verses 9 through 13, the judgment seat of Christ. Father, I pray that you would help us to hear what the Spirit would have for this church this day. We know, Lord, that your word was given to us by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And although Paul may interject his opinion In the pages that we're reading from today, which I believe he does in one point that we've already read. Lord, we know that these came to us from inspiration of your Holy Spirit. So I ask, Lord, today that you would open our hearts to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church, to this church. This day we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Secondly, we discover that we are the Lord's. In verses 5 through 8, I'll read the context for us again. Picking up in verse 5 of Romans 14, one person esteems one day above another, the other esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord, and he who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord, for he gives God thanks. And he who does not eat, to the Lord he does not eat. And gives God thanks. For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. Again, another example. He moves on from the food issue. He'll come back to it, but he moves on from the food issue. To another non-essential that was being debated during their day, and that is of the day of week, that they should worship. What is the proper day that we should worship the Lord? It's a dispute, as I said. We have the Seventh-day Adventists who believe that worship services should be conducted on the Seventh-day, that is, on the Sabbath or on Saturday, instead of on Sunday. Now, we know that the Bible teaches in the Old Testament in Exodus 28 to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. But this was a commandment that God gave to the Jewish people as part of their covenant relationship with him. And as Christians, I do not believe that we are bound by this Sabbath day law. But we also have examples in the New Testament of what the New Testament believers called the Lord's Day. And it's connected with Jesus Christ being resurrected from the grave on the first day of the week. And we discover in the New Testament that believers often came together on the first day of the week, on Sunday, to worship. It's also the same day that the Holy Spirit poured out upon the church on the day of Pentecost. There on the day of Pentecost, they were gathered together in that upper room when the Holy Spirit came upon them. But we have the New Testament church gathering together on the first day of the week on Sundays in their day and age. It would not be a Sunday morning. They had to work. Well, if they were Jewish, they'd be working on Sunday because they took the Sabbath off, which was a Saturday. And so, yeah, they had to work. They would meet in the evenings, most likely after their long work day. And they didn't have uh, the kind of work days that perhaps we have today. They would work long hours, but they would come together to worship and to be uh, together as the body of Christ, so they were disputing over the correctness of the day. And again, Paul he saw it as a non-essential. We find that Paul he would on the Sabbath day he would go to uh, he would go to a tabernacle, he would go to the uh, temple, he would go to the riverside to worship on the Sabbath. He would go and meet on the Lord's day on a Sunday. It was a non-essential as far as the day of the week. He understood, as Psalm 24 tells us, this is the day that the Lord has made. So let us rejoice and be glad in it. Every day is the Lord's day. And so he said, let each be fully convinced in his own mind, whether dealing with the food that we eat or do not eat or the day of the week that we worship." A believer's individual accountability to the Lord in every area is what is important here. He goes on in verse 6, he says, He who eats, eats to the Lord, for he gives God thanks. He who does not eat, does not eat to the Lord and gives God thanks. None of us lives to himself, no one dies to himself. If we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. So whether worshiping on a Saturday, a Sunday, any other day of the week, whether eating uh, meats that's kosher, non-kosher, been offered to idols, uh, of course we don't have that issue here in the United States today, at least I hope we don't. Uh, Whether eating vegetables or whatever diet you want to be on, we belong to Jesus. Whether we eat or do not eat, we are to give thanks to God. He says in 1 Corinthians ten thirty one, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. That's how we are to conduct ourselves in this life, to do all to the glory of God. Who gets the glory? Sorry about that. I said that a little too hard there. But we should do all that we do for the glory of God. It's not just about the days or the food, life or death. We belong to Jesus in life, in death. We belong to Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 5, 9 and 10, it says, For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, and that's a way of the sleep being used there, as death, whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him, that we belong to Jesus, whether alive here on this earth, or when we go to be with Jesus, we belong to Jesus. 1 Corinthians 6 20, for you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We belong to Jesus. And Paul is emphasizing that the Lord should be the goal, the object of the lives of of his people. Everything we do is subject to the scrutiny of Christ and to his approval. As believers, we need to recognize that we belong to Jesus and we represent him upon this earth. So how are we to conduct ourselves among one another? We also need to remember that we will all stand at the judgment seat of Christ. Verses 9 through 13, I'll pick up for our context again. Romans 14, verse 9, it says, For to this end Christ died and rose and lived again, and he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. We will all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So he asked the question, why do we judge others realizing that we will one day stand before the Lord and be judged ourselves to this end Christ died he rose again from the grave that he is both the Lord of the dead and of the living it is Jesus Christ who has paid the price of our sin when he died upon the cross it is Jesus Christ who was bruised by the Lord according to Isaiah fifty three ten. When it pleased the Lord to bruise him, as he put him to grief, when he made his soul an offering for our sins. Furthermore, it is Jesus who rose from the grave, who lives forevermore. And Jesus saying in Revelation 118, I am he who lives and was dead. Behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. What a glorious privilege we have for the Lord Jesus Christ who died and rose again and has offered us life and to become part of the family of God. Jesus is both the Lord of the living and of the dead. And in 1 Peter 4, 5, it tells us that they will give an account to him who is ready to judge both the living and the dead. We stand before Jesus. He is our judge. He is the ultimate judge. It may be that we do judge other people. And I'm I have to believe that we're guilty of this from time to time. But ultimately, whether a believer or unbeliever, whether living or dead, we are all equal at the foot of the cross. Jesus Christ will judge one day. And so he said, why do you judge your brother? Why do you show contempt to your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. I looked into two of these words In the Greek language, the word judge and also to show contempt. And to judge, it literally means to separate or to distinguish. And so in the sense of a judge, judging, or we can judge people. You take the facts, you kind of separate the facts, you lay them all out, and then you distinguish truth in that. You make a judgment of that. And so, pretty simple to understand. We understand that one. The other word, to show contempt, this Greek word has more of a debased meaning to it. It means to bring someone to nothing, to despise or to treat with scorn. And so here it's not just simply making a judgment. You're wanting to hurt the individual. You're despising them and you're bringing them to scorn. It means that you're presenting it before others that you can kind of, you know, gather others perhaps to plead your side of the thing. And You know, we are as believers in Jesus Christ. Remember when the Lord said in Matthew that if you find someone has something against you to go to that brother and try to work it out. If they don't heed to resolve the situation to bring two or more with you and then present the case to them. The whole purpose of this is not to gain up on a brother or sister. It's to gain a brother or sister. We're to bring resolution and healing in the relationship, not to despise or to treat with scorn. And so we have to watch how we conduct ourselves around others, because here the bottom line, he says, we're all going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ. God has appointed a day in which Jesus will judge the world in righteousness. God has given us an assurance of this coming day by the very resurrection of Jesus from the grave, where it tells us in 2 Corinthians 5.10, "'For we will all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in his body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Whether believer or unbeliever, everyone will stand before the judgment seat of Christ.'" I do not believe as believers in Jesus Christ, we are standing before the judgment seat of Christ in order for Jesus to judge whether we actually get into heaven or not. It's not an issue of salvation, but one of reward. But to the unbeliever, those who have rejected the gospel of Jesus Christ, Jesus teaches that their punishment will be great on that day. But you know, Jesus is just. He is just and righteous. And even in judgment, he tells us in Luke 12, 48. But he who did not know yet committed things deserving of stripes shall be beaten with few. For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required. And to him much has been committed. Of him they will ask the more. The judge of all the earth, He is righteous. He is just. This is one thing that I'm convinced of, that the Lord is righteous. He is just. He does all things well. But for us, we'll each give an account. And he quotes in verses 11 and 12 from Isaiah 45, verses 22 and 23. And this is God speaking. And so Paul isn't coming up with this on his own. It's not the first time it appeared in the Bible, but in Isaiah 45:22 through 23, God says, look to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. I've sworn by myself, the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return void to me. Every knee will bow, every tongue shall take an oath. And so Paul quoting this, as the Lord lives, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess to God. He reminds us that we will each give account of ourselves to the Lord. So the question remains, will we bow down in humble submission before Jesus and we can do so now upon this earth? Or will we wait to bow down once in heaven? In heaven's glory at that judgment seat I'm not saying that those who wait to bow down in heaven it's not that they're entering into the joy of the Lord but they're coming before the judgment seat of Christ where the Lord God has highly exalted Jesus according to Philippians 2 verses 9 through 11 where he has given him a name that is above every other name that at the name of Jesus Jesus Every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on the earth and those under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the Father. Therefore, here's the resolve, the conclusion of the whole thing for Paul. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. So the resolve. Don't judge, but resolve not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall. So I was thinking about uh, these two words in the Greek for stumbling block. It means a stone that causes someone to stumble or anything that can trip somebody up. Don't lay something down before your brother or sister that would cause them to stumble. Do you realize that Stumbling blocks, as I I used earlier in an illustration that Paul E. Little used in the book How to Give Away Your Faith, for this one brother, a stumbling block was baseball games. That is not a stumbling block for me, at least I don't think it is, but it could be for others. So don't use baseball as a stumbling block if you know it's going to hurt another. Stumbling blocks could be things that could not necessarily be bad things. But if you put your work before the Lord, it's a stumbling block. If you put your family before the Lord, it becomes a stumbling block. If you put your ministry before faith in Jesus Christ, it is a stumbling block. I know that kind of doesn't sound like it makes sense. Ministry should be for Jesus, but we know that in church life there are those who actually put the work of ministry before Jesus in many ways. These things can become stumbling blocks. The second word, he says, to resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. That cause to fall, it literally means a stick snare or stick trap. So you get that in your mind. You got a little basket with a stick some bait, and you're waiting for the little bunny to come hopping around to get the carrot. He takes the carrot, the trap falls, you have breakfast. At least that's how my papa ate rabbits. If you haven't tried fried rabbit for breakfast, it's pretty good. Anyways, (laughs) you're not going there with me, so I'll just move on. A snare, a trap. You're purposely trying to lay a trap before someone. We should rather resolve to do no harm. Jesus used the word for stumbling block in Revelation 2.14, saying to the church of Pergamos, I have a few things against you that you have to hold to the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols, and to commit Sexual immorality. And these stumbling blocks, as I said, the example from Revelation 2.14, they were bad things. But stumbling blocks could be anything that could trip someone up. You want to make sure that you're not tripping up your brother or sister in Christ. But also, we have to learn to not purposely set a trap to trap someone. We are to do all to the glory of God. We're to resolve that we're not going to do these things and to keep us from stumbling. We must learn to do all things to the praise and the glory of God. As in Philippians 1 verses 9 through 11, it says this, I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all of discernment that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense Till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. May we never forget that we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Today we have been reminded that God is able. And rather than judging one another, wouldn't our time be better spent? making intercession for our brothers and sisters in Christ. It is God who will make our brother and sister stand. We are the Lord's. And it's not just about the days or the food, but life and death. Whether in life or in death, we belong to Jesus. And as believers in Jesus Christ, may we never forget this truth. We belong to Jesus. And finally, verses 9 through 13, the judgment seat of Christ There is that question that remains for all of us to answer, whether we'll bow down in humble submission before the Lord today, while upon this earth, or one day after you die. All will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Some will stand there for loss of reward or for gain as believers in Jesus Christ. Others will stand in judgment because of their choice Of not believing Jesus we know that Jesus is righteous and just that he does all things well we don't have to worry about his judgment being right or true it will be right or true today what we need to answer that question of whether we'll be standing before him in the righteousness that he has provided through his death burial and resurrection from the grave in the salvation that he has made available to us, not our righteousness, but his righteousness, or will we attempt to stand before God in our own righteousness, which we will discover will be inadequate on the day of judgment. Father, I thank you for your word and for what it teaches us, and I pray, Lord, that your word would speak to us today. Perhaps, Lord, we have been guilty of judging. Help us, Lord, to resolve not to put traps or snares or stumbling blocks, but rather, Lord, to resolve to intercede for our brothers and sisters. Lord, knowing that we all belong to the same household of faith, knowing, Lord, that we will all one day stand before you, and knowing, Lord, that you are able to make us stand. And we give you praise this day in the name of Jesus. Amen.